here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, this is Jake Toko from Rocky Mountain Construction, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. This is Tim Holleran from the Coaster Crew, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey guys, it's Logan from Coaster Kids, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm Grace Peacock, Director of Communications at Canada's Wonderland, and you are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and let us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can dry up all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, David Cantu and Jenna Gassell. Hey, how's it going, Jenna? Great. How's it going, Dave? It's going good, going good. Happy June 17th. Happy June 17th. Why, we are really getting close to the end of June already. Man, summer needs to slow down. But there's been a lot going on this month. A lot of activity, a lot of exciting things going on. You know, I have to say, uh, Kings Island is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. Wow, it's been around for 50 years. Yeah, and it's funny because I was just recently watching the Brady Bunch on TV recently, and they just so happened to show the episode where they were all at King's Island and just looking back how the park looked back when they were filming the Brady Bunch I was like wow what a difference in fact the main area almost looked the same with some changes over time but I would say it was just really incredible just to see that footage of old school King's Island yeah it's always amazing when you look back at these old film reels old episodes of shows and they show you what the parks look like oh yeah and I highly recommend you guys if you have a chance, if you're not aware, but the Brady Bunch which is a Paramount Films show because back then it was Paramount's King's Island and they had filmed a special edition a Brady Bunch episode at King's Island. I highly recommend you guys to look it up on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Just check it out. But we've got a very special episode for all you guys today because we actually got a special guest who is a coaster enthusiast, but he's also has worked for King's Island for quite a long time. We've got Logan Shell here on the podcast today with our associate producer, Kim Dykes. Is uh, This will be her inaugural first interview here on the podcast and it's really exciting yeah i'm really looking forward to hearing kim's interview with logan today but first we are going to do our lovely segment called the youtube highlight clip Clip of of the the week week. it's the youtube highlight clip of the week the youtube highlight clip of the week it's a video that stands out because it's unique it's the youtube highlight clip of the week All right, so this week's YouTube highlight clip of the week 
You know, it's June, and when June comes around, graduation. Whether you're graduating from high school, or you're graduating from college, or any private institution, this is a month where a lot of people, a lot of people with great minds, they all get to come to these ceremonies, and they give out some of the greatest motivational speeches of all time. Now, over the years, we've seen some major celebrities, we've seen politicians, we've seen regular entrepreneurs, we've seen people who have overcome extreme challenges and been able to have the honor to to stand up on stage and give graduates a commencement speech. So for the month of June, we're going to be doing a few commencement speeches from some of the greatest moments in uh, time. One of the clips we're going to be doing for this week is that I am also a big fan of Steve Jobs because Steve Jobs, his uh, philosophy of leadership and how he faces fear and how he didn't let anything stop him from doing what he believed in is an inspiration for everyone to follow. And he just gave many years ago an incredible motivational speech at a college graduation that I feel you all should take in and listen on this one because I think this could be very helpful for a lot of you out there. So take a listen. Today I want to tell you three stories from my life. That's it. No big deal. Just three stories. The first story is about connecting the dots. I dropped out of Reed College after the first six months, but then stayed around as a drop-in for another 18 months or so before I really quit. So why'd I drop out? It started before I was born. My biological mother was a young, unwed graduate student, and she decided to put me up for adoption. She felt very strongly that I should be adopted by college graduates, so everything was all set for me to be adopted at birth by a lawyer and his wife except that when I popped out, they decided at the last minute that they really wanted a girl. So my parents, who were on a waiting list, got a call in the middle of the night asking, we've got an unexpected baby boy, do you want him? They said, of course. My biological mother found out later that my mother had never graduated from college and that my father had never graduated from high school. She refused to sign the final adoption papers. She only relented a few months later when my parents promised that I would go to college. This was the start in my life. And 17 years later, I did go to college. But I naively chose a college that was almost as expensive as Stanford. And all of my working class parents' savings were being spent on my college tuition. After six months, I couldn't see the value in it. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life and no idea how college was going to help me figure it out. And here I was spending all the money my parents had saved their entire life. So I decided to drop out and trust that it would all work out okay. It was pretty scary at the time, but looking back, it was one of the best decisions I ever made. The minute I dropped out, I could stop taking the required classes that didn't interest me and begin dropping in on the ones that looked far more interesting. It wasn't all romantic. I didn't have a dorm room, so I slept on the floor in friends' rooms. I returned Coke bottles for the five-cent deposits to buy food with, and I would walk the seven miles across town every Sunday night to get one good meal a week at the Hare Krishna temple. I loved it, and much of what I stumbled into by following my curiosity and intuition turned out to be priceless later on. Let me give you one example. 
Reed College at that time offered perhaps the best calligraphy instruction in the country. Throughout the campus, every poster, every label on every drawer was beautifully hand calligraphed. Because I had dropped out and didn't have to take the normal classes, I decided to take a calligraphy class to learn how to do this. I learned about serif and sans serif typefaces, about varying the amount of space between different letter combinations, about what makes great typography great. It was beautiful, historical, artistically subtle in a way that science can't capture, and I found it fascinating. None of this had even a hope of any practical application in my life. But 10 years later, when we were designing the first Macintosh computer, it all came back to me. And we designed it all into the Mac. It was the first computer with beautiful typography. If I had never dropped in on that single course in college, the Mac would have never had multiple typefaces or proportionally spaced fonts. And since Windows just copied the Mac, it's likely that no personal computer would have them. If I had never dropped out, I would have never dropped in on that calligraphy class, and personal computers might not have the wonderful typography that they do. Of course, it was impossible to connect the dots looking forward when I was in college, but it was very, very clear looking backwards 10 years later. Again, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. Because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart even when it leads you off the well-worn path. And that will make all the difference. My second story is about love and loss. I was lucky. I found what I loved to do early in life. Waz and I started Apple in my parents' garage when I was 20. We worked hard, and in 10 years, Apple had grown from just the two of us in a garage into a $2 billion company with over 4,000 employees. We just released our finest creation, the Macintosh, a year earlier, and I'd just turned 30. And then I got fired. How can you get fired from a company you started? You're getting thirsty for unlimited free drinks through July 4th, only at Panera. Well, as Apple grew, we hired someone who I thought was very talented to run the company with me. And for the first year or so, things went well. But then our visions of the future began to diverge, and eventually we had a falling out. When we did, our board of directors sided with him. And so at 30, I was out, and very publicly out. What had been the focus of my entire adult life was gone, and it was devastating. I really didn't know what to do for a few months. I felt that I had let the previous generation of entrepreneurs down, that I had dropped the baton as it was being passed to me. I met with David Packard and Bob Noyce and tried to apologize for screwing up so badly. I was a very public failure and I even thought about running away from the valley. But something slowly began to dawn on me. I still loved what I did. The turn of events at Apple had not changed that one bit. I'd been rejected, but I was still in love and so I decided to start over. I didn't see it then, but it turned out that getting fired from Apple was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. The heaviness of being successful was replaced by the lightness of being a beginner again, less sure about everything. It freed me to enter one of the most creative periods of my life. During the next five years, I started a company named Next, 
another company named Pixar, and fell in love with an amazing woman who would become my wife. Pixar went on to create the world's first computer animated feature film, Toy Story, and is now the most successful animation studio in the world. In a remarkable turn of events, Apple bought Next, and I returned to Apple, and the technology we developed at Next is at the heart of Apple's current renaissance. And Lorene and I have a wonderful family together. I'm pretty sure none of this would have happened if I hadn't been fired from Apple. It was awful tasting medicine, but I guess the patient needed it. Sometime life, sometimes life's gonna hit you in the head with a brick. Don't lose faith. I'm convinced that the only thing that kept me going was that I loved what I did. You've got to find what you love, and that is as true for work as it is for your lovers. Your work is gonna fill a large part of your life, and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking and don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you'll know when you find it. And like any great relationship, it just gets better and better as the years roll on. So keep looking, don't settle. My third story is about death. When I was 17, I read a quote that went something like, if you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. It made an impression on me. And since then, for the past 33 years, I've looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I wanna do what I am about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. No one wants to die. Even people who want to go to heaven don't want to die to get there. And yet, death is the destination we all share. No one has ever escaped it. And that is as it should be, because death is very likely the single best invention of life. It's life's change agent. It clears out the old to make way for the new. Right now, the new is you. But someday, not too long from now, you will gradually become the old and be cleared away. Sorry to be so dramatic, but it's quite true. Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Okay, we have Kim standing by with Logan. Take it away, Kim. 
Hello, everyone. This is Kim with the Coaster Challenge podcast. Today, I'm talking to Logan Shell, a Kings Island ride-off and coaster enthusiast from Ohio. Logan's love of roller coasters runs so deep that he is majoring in mechanical engineering in hopes of one day designing roller coasters. Welcome to the podcast, Logan. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to begin by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, I'm Logan Shell from Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'm a fourth-year ride operator at Kings Island. I will be working at the Whitewater Canyon this season. I am a freshman engineering student at the University of Cincinnati College of Engineering and Applied Science. All my life, I've really loved roller coasters. I'm hoping to get a co-op soon with possibly the Gravity Group or Disney or Universal or something like that. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. So now that's going to lead us right into your first question. What was your first coaster? The Great Pumpkin Coaster at Kings Island. You know, that one too has a lot of um, personal connection for me. That was my children's first coaster. My first coaster was actually what's now the Woodstock Express. It was called the Beastie. Oh, cool. That's my second coaster. So our next question is, what was the one coaster that you've ridden that scared you the most? Top Thrill Drag Striking at Cedar Point. Why does that not surprise me? That was my scariest coaster as well. I thought I had conquered everything up until, you know, the one before that was for me was Fury 325. And after I rode Fury, I thought I was, I was on top of the world. I was unstoppable. We were, I was good when we were in line all the way through Top Thrill Dragster. All through the line queue, I was ready to go until I sat down in that seat. And when, when I sat down in that seat I did not know if I was going to live to tell about the ride when it yeah. was of course you know after we did it I wanted to do it again had to do it like five yeah, or that day yeah that seems to be a very common coaster that a lot of enthusiasts tend to say has been the biggest fear that they faced. All right. Yeah. So how were you feeling when you approached the station to Top Thrill Dragster? Anxious. My stomach was killing me. I was just very, like, getting very jittery because I did not want to get on it. And my dad's saying uh, it was uh, 2013 during Howling Hot. And he's saying, come on, just get on the coaster with me. It's always down. We get, we get up there. We waited two and a half hours. We get up there. And it broke down a few times on the way up. I get up there and I'm like, I don't want to do this because I just saw it roll back about five minutes beforehand. I didn't really want to do it. I got on it and I loved it. So speaking of rollbacks, have you ever been lucky enough to have one? No, no, Me. I've only rode it about five times because it's always down. Me either. The last time we were there last year, I think we got six rides on it that day. And out of our six rides, we saw two rollbacks literally like one of them was the train right before us still didn't get a rollback <laughs> so i'm really oh. hoping that thing opens again one yeah. of these days i'm gonna get that rollback i was there three hours before it closed and i wrote it yeah that's the, that's the dream that a lot of people are still chasing for sure you said you wanted to ride it again how did you feel when you got off a of dragster that first time? My heart was racing. After going 120 miles an hour, I'm like, oh my, this is an intense ride, but very, but too short. Absolutely. It's a 17 second adrenaline rush. Yeah. Never... <laughs> I'm like, I waited two hours for this at first. Then, I, then after I got out off the train, I was like, oh, I actually really like that. Let's do it again. Uh -huh. But I didn't want to wait two hours for it. So we rode the next day. That's understandable. So did it impact your life after riding that coaster? Yes. I, I thought I could do anything, any coaster, anywhere, anytime, because uh, I was 10 years old. I just thought, oh, I can ride anything now. 
you were 10 when you rode Dragster for the first time? Yes. That's quite an accomplishment. I myself didn't become an enthusiast until 2019. I'm 46 years old. The first time I wrote it yeah. was in 2020. I'm just remembering myself back at 10 years old. I don't think anyone could have drugged me kicking and screaming on that <laughs> coaster. I was screaming a little bit, but my dad's like, come on, just get on, please. I want to ride this. I can't leave you out here. Well, that's good. You had someone to encourage you because growing up, I came from a home where I was told everything is scary. My family went to Kings Island. We, I lived in Maysville, Kentucky. We were about an hour and a half away. We went to Kings Island once a year. And I mean, it was literally like the night before Santa came for our family when we were getting ready to go to Kings Island every year. And ever I would go and I would see. That was back in the days of, you know, the screaming demon. The bat was yeah. there. Being Cobra everything. And I would see all these rides and something inside me wanted to try them. No one in my family, I was the baby of the family. I had two older sisters. No one would take me on anything. They said it was all scary. They would just take me on things that spun me in circles really fast, which I hated. I still don't like tight spinning. It makes me feel sick. I finally, the first, the first big coaster I rode was Vortex. And that was when I was 18 years old. It took me I didn't even ride Banshee until 2019 was when I started to experience inversions and stuff when my son started getting into coasters. So kudos to you <laughs> for facing all of that fear at such a young age. That's awesome. Yeah, I was happy to get on it. Uh, it scared me to death because I was like, I didn't know because I didn't know anything about coasters at the time. I was not an enthusiast until 2016. So what happened was I just was like, are we going to die if it rolls back? Is it going to kill me? I was scared to death. And you know, that's a legitimate fear to have when you don't understand how the coasters are designed to operate and what they're designed to do. You hear a lot of people say that when they first experience airtime, they think they're going to fall out of the seat. And then when you take the time to explain to somebody that the coaster is designed to do that, suddenly it takes on a whole other meaning. Okay. Yeah. Your next question. What was your craziest moment? on a coaster i have three stories actually go ahead so, and share i'd love to hear them the mummy at universal studios orlando when i was a kid i was scared to death of that i was seven years old and i thought it was the exit of the ride when you go into the middle room no it's just a mid-course break run that's really propped up what happened was i thought i was about to get out of my seat so i unbuckled my seatbelt. it's just the mid-course because there's an exit ride operator i don't know if you've ever rode this that says Welcome back. How was your ride? And then he breaks the glass and says, death is the only the beginning. And I was, and then it starts bolting you out of that room. And I'm like, put the seatbelt on, put the seatbelt on. That was probably one of the scariest stories ever because I thought I was about to die. At least it was not just a seatbelt ride because if it was a seatbelt ride, I'd be dead. That thing has inversions. That thing has everything. Then the next one is, I don't know if you've ever been on Steel Vengeance at night. I don't suggest the front row. Those gnats are horrible. With that, it's just, it's absolutely horrible getting on it so i have my whole entire mouth full of gnats because i thought it'd be fun to open my mouth and go down the lift and, and i was screaming so they're all in my mouth that was 
probably one of the worst things ever. The other, there's actually two more. The other one is Diamondback, the 30th of October, 2018. Freezing rain. It hurts. It hurts to go on that ride in the freezing rain. And then the other ones I'd have to say would be Firehawk. The last Saturday of operation, it broke down on that Swift Hill with me on it. We were on that thing for 45 minutes. It's the only time I've ever been broke down a roller coaster that I'm not working. The craziest moment ever, I was test riding the Banshee in 2019. Somebody decided they wanted, lift, they wanted to be nice and lift their hand off the auto sensor button and fault the ride with me on the brake run. 45 minutes with those re- re- vest restraints is not fun. It suffocated me so bad. I, I don't like Banshee for that reason. I prefer the old restraints it's only nice on lean coasters even then wild eagles is not fun okay i want to share a little bit some connections i made with your stories that you shared i'm going to ask a off the radar question how tall are you six one that explains it i'm one of the few people i'm five three at a stretch i'm one of the few people that prefers the restraints on banshee for one reason almost every ride with over the shoulder restraints wants to bang the crap out of my head and it because my head sits right down inside the restraints and I mean I lean as far I mean I do everything I can do get my head out of there it forces me to hold on which I don't like because I don't you know if a coaster is a good ride I really don't like to hold on I find that I'm forced to on almost every coaster with over-the-shoulder restraints because if I don't, it will bang my head to the point of having a migraine. If I get a migraine, I'm done. I can't. I can't run anymore than day. That's one of the reasons I personally prefer those restraints, even though they're really not great. They at least keep me from getting a headache. Also, um, yeah, I have ridden Still Vengeance at night. I actually got several night rides on it last year. I was lucky. That night, the gnats weren't bad. Of course, I rode a lot in the back. I prefer the back of Still Vengeance. So I didn't have that experience, but I've heard from people that have, and it sounds absolutely horrible. And you were talking about the rain rides on Diamondback. That was my craziest story that I shared in our family interview that we did last season was um, from Orion back in uh, 2020. When we had to wear the mask, it didn't rain a drop the whole day. My kids and I were in line for the last train of the night on Orion, literally probably five, 10 minutes before we got on. It started raining. I'm talking like a tsunami. Whoosh. And all these people started running out of line. And we're like, you know, you're going to get soaked going to the parking lot. And so we may as well just stay here, you know, and ride it out. That was probably not just the craziest ride of that year probably one of the craziest rides I've ever had. It hurt so bad. The kids were in the front. I took the back. We had to wear those masks. When we got off, of course, I have to keep my glasses on. I couldn't see a thing. But with the mask on, I had water up my nose. (laughs) I couldn't breathe. We laughed all the way to the car. We went over to Speedway that night after the ride. We got some really interesting looks. <laughs> we went to the gas station soaking wet. So yeah, I can totally relate to the painful rain experience. I don't okay. know if it's just on B&M's or... I don't know. All I know is that that was fastest, most painful ride of my life. And I couldn't breathe just about through the whole thing probably fell a lot faster that night it sure did okay all of the coasters you've ridden what is your favorite coaster it's a hard decision i either have to say steel vengeance or fury 325 because i have not got on iron gawazi and velocicoaster yet i'd 
probably have to say I'm going to give the little edge to Seal Vengeance. That thing is crazy. Fury is nice, but it does not have the ejector like Steel Vengeance does. Fury just is very, like, it glides through there. And uh, Steel Vengeance just whips you around. I've never felt anything like Steel Vengeance before. I agree. Steel Vengeance is my number three and Fury is my number four. Pretty much for the reasons that you described. What's your number one? Velocicoaster for now. Do you prefer front or yeah. back on Steel Vengeance? I prefer the front. I like being able to, the head choppers. In the front, it just feels like you're your head's going to fly off in that barrel roll. And, and when you go inside the coaster, it just feels like your head's about to go flying off. And that that is the craziest ride on the planet. So one of my night rides on it was during Haunt of last year. And they decided to be fun to put a fog machine inside the ride. Inside the, inside the part of the ride, one of the fog machines, I don't know if that was intentional just that night, because the next night the fog machine's not there. So they had fog in there. And I'm like, it, and then they turned off some lights and inside the inside part i'm like i cannot see a blessed thing out here it that that is really upping the experience on that ride try doing it at midnight during haunt when you can see nothing and they turn the fog on all the fog in frontier town from the frontier town area all of that just goes into the ride so pretty much it's it's like pitch black. Something now on my bucket list to experience. Yeah, it's fun. Okay. Still Vengeance is your favorite coaster. What is your least favorite coaster? I have that right here. I I have a actually have a thing that ranks them. Let me see. My least favorite coaster. I hate all three of these equally. I can't pick. Nighthawk at Carowinds, Swamp Fox at Family Kingdom Amusement Park, and T3 at Kentucky Kingdom. All three of them are not fun. Nighthawk, two train op, and they take 15 minutes per thing to unload because they are the slowest operators on the planet. I'm not trying to be mean to anybody at Carowitz, but it, I don't know if you were just having a bad day. Looking up into straight sunlight, I know you guys have those shade things and having all the blood rush to your head is not fun for 15 minutes. And that final corkscrew, it just hurt. Then Family Kingdom Swamp Fox, it felt like I was about to die because it uh, we saw one of the boards come off like loose in the middle of the ride. And I'm like, oh God, we're dead. We're dead. And then they just have chains for the gate. Just a little chain. You can just walk right into the track. I'm like, no. T3, those restraints are not fun. I don't know if you've ever rode T3. It hurts. And then after that, it's probably like Grizzly. The two Grizzlies at the Great America Dominion. Probably have to say Nighthawk is the worst coaster on the planet. Yes, I have ridden T3. I actually live in Louisville. The school that I teach at is about five minutes from Kentucky Kingdom. And my son actually just got his first job at Kentucky Kingdom. His next step is to go to orientation. And I agree with you wholeheartedly on your assessment of T3. How has overcoming fear and or being in the coaster community impacted areas of your life outside of amusement parks? It's impacted my college career because I'm going to college to become a roller coaster engineer, mechanical engineering. Yeah, overcoming it, it made me face my fears of being afraid of height. It overcame my fear of uh, just 
pretty much every fear I had. It was height, falling off a roller coaster. I, I, when I was little, I thought, they're going to go off the track. No, they're not. We hope. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I faced my fear. I think the coaster that helped me face my fear was Top Thrill Dragster. It still is. Yeah, that's probably, it just helps outside. I mean, I got my Eagle Scout. It helped me learn to do that, to face my fears and never give up. Yeah, it just, it helps in all aspects of your life. Absolutely. It's interesting looking at what you said that riding coasters has led you to do with your college career. I shared with you earlier, my son, like you, is on the autism spectrum. His career goal is to be got, to go into mechanical maintenance on roller coasters. So we're looking at a career path for him in that area. So I know that you said you are very actively involved in the Boy Scouts. What activities, Boy Scouts included, do you enjoy outside of riding coasters? I have a lot of activities. Riding coasters, well, you always have to get the nano coaster. I love building those. They're so fun. Besides when, I don't know if you've ever built them, when you put them together and you're trying to clip them, your hands get cut so easily. I haven't, I'm still trying to finish Firehawk, Intimidator 305, and Raptor. They just, I've had them since August and I've just been trying. I don't want to have to have my hands be cut up for days. I do that. I do the Boy Scout. I like to go up to Scene 75 and hang out there and I have the gold pass to that. I also like, my favorite ride ever is the Carousel Progress at uh, Disney World. That's my favorite ride of all time. Any amusement park ride, I just have fell in love with that ride. I, I don't only love riding coasters. I like riding all the rides. There's only one thing I hate more than anything. It would have to be a t uh, anything spinning. I don't like spinning. I hang out with my friends all the time. I know I have some friends coming up to work with me at Kings Island golfing, bowling, stuff like that, watching movies. I'm a big Marvel movie fanatic. The other things I enjoy doing is I like collecting amusement park memorabilia. So I uh, have a bedroom that I'm in full of amusement park memorabilia and then building Legos. Uh, that's probably uh, the other stuff that I do outside. Oh, one other thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of Days of Thunder go-kart track at Kings Island. Well, I have the Jeff Gordon signed go-kart in my garage and I drive that every day. I've, it's almost mint condition. It's signed. It, it looks like his car. They never used uh, the frame, but they used the engine part and where you would sit. And then they sold it off I, to a maintenance guy and he uh, sold it to me in 2020. It's in my garage and I uh, made it go 35 miles an hour. So I just go zooming through my neighborhood. And that's what relieves my stress now, helps me focus and everything. So when I'm struggling in school, I'll just hop in the go-kart and do that. It's either that or hang out with friends and coasters. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, they relieve my stress uh, along with coasters and getting in the go-kart but the go-kart it's you don't have more fun than zooming at 35 miles an hour that low the ground in a neighborhood i found out it is totally legal as long as i do not go on a main road i drove that my high school graduation parade and that was so much fun. I love the go-kart. That's probably one of my favorite things outside of coasters is probably getting on my go-kart that says Paramount's Kings Island on it. I have pictures of it all over my Facebook page if anybody goes on there and look of me riding and driving it. It's so much fun. Now I'm going to have to go look on your Facebook page because what you just told me just reiterates to me that this interview was meant to happen. My dad's favorite thing in the world was NASCAR and the drive that he 
loved was Jeff Gordon. And I actually have a Jeff Gordon flag. I keep a Jeff Gordon garden flag on my dad's grave because <laughs> he loved Jeff Gordon so much. So yeah, I'm definitely going to be taking a look at those pictures on Facebook. What unique or special things do you bring to the coaster community? Well, I always have a very good attitude on everything. I'm always happy, encourage people to try to get on the coasters. Absolutely. What advice can you give to those that are listening? The roller coasters aren't going to kill you. Now I'm saying this after I do know about the Top Thrill Dragster incident. The roller coasters are not meant to kill you. They're probably not going, they're, it's a very unlikely. You have more of a chance to die in a car on the way to the amusement park than you are going to on that roller coaster. Roller coasters are safer than pretty much everything on the planet. They are, the engineers test everything. Ride operators, every morning we go through a list of tests that we have to check on everything and everything is correct. But sometimes things happen and we unfortunately have what we call faults and uh, there's no way that the train is going to come off that track. For anybody I, I see on Facebook on Kings Island season pass all the time, I'm so scared that the roller coaster is going to come off the track. It's not going to happen. There's no way it's going to happen. I mean, it might, I don't know, like, I've seen, I've never heard of a roller coaster coming off a track. That's what the wheels are for. They're not going to come off. I mean, a wheel could. It, uh, a coaster's not going to come off. Also, you're not going to... Coasters are not meant to kill you. A roller coaster is probably the safest thing you can be in. So many people go on planes, trains, buses, cars every day. They go to the amusement park and they get hurt, but they're not going to get hurt at the amusement park. The amusement park ride, that's what they call a freak accident. A, ca a, ca a car wreck happens so much, but how many times do you hear on the news a whole train fly, uh, two trains collide on a, on a roller coaster? It's not going to happen. That's what blocks are for. I mean, it can, but there's nothing to be scared of. If you think you're going to get on a roller coaster, just be scared of getting on it because you think you're going to die. That's just worrying. Those aren't real thoughts. Uh, they're, they're worry thoughts. They're not real. People just don't be scared of getting uh, getting on it. You'll miss out on it. It costs so much to get an amusement park. You're going to go in and not ride the biggest ride. I agree with you totally. Well, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. I have one final question for you. Where are we able to find you on social media? I'm on Facebook. That's it. For anybody wanting to add me on social media, it's uh, Logan Shell. Uh, there's two of them. Just look for the one that has more information. <laughs> if you want to add me there, and that's the only one I have, I don't actively use anything else. Well, I have really enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you. Thank you so much, Logan, for being my first guest on my inaugural interview on the Coaster Challenge podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Logan. That was an incredible episode, Jen. That it was. You know, I have to say, it was really awesome to hear Logan's story about his time working at Kings Island. Just a young kid, and he's just really excited. He looks forward to coaster season every year. He's done a lot of amazing things around Kings Island, especially when I know that he has spent a lot of time working over at Planet Snoopy as a ride operator. It kind of makes me wonder what his future holds for him, if he's going to be the next coaster builder of some extreme coaster down the line. Maybe. I can see him having a great career with Cedar Fair. 
and he just loves the job. In fact, a lot of people that I know, a lot of employees that work at Kings Island, and they just love working for that park. I wish I lived closer to Ohio because I would just love to just be able to work at Kings Island for one season and just get the experience because I just, from what everyone has told me, everybody just loves working there. And even when I've gone to visit the park, it is just such a wonderful park, great atmosphere, a lot of fun rides. People are just really awesome over there. And I really appreciate Logan sharing us his story of what it's like working at Kings Island. Well, guys, I hope you guys have a wonderful summer. We've got quite a lineup for you guys coming up in the next week, especially for July. Uh, we got one more episode left in June, but we've got one heck of a lineup for you guys in July. So Bradley, how can they find us on social media? If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today. Thank you, Bradley. Guys, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast network and give us a thumbs up and a review. We would really appreciate it. Don't forget to go visit our, our website at CoasterChallengeUSA.com. Click on the store. We've got a lot of new merchandise for this new season. A lot of new designs, new products, and all the proceeds that we make, it is donated to a local charity at the end of every year. We just really appreciate you guys to buy some merch and represent us with pride at the parks. And we hope to see you guys at the parks sometime when we're there. But you know what we're having a really fun summer here having so much fun with all you guys out there love sharing all these special episodes with all you guys out there this season very exciting but we will have an exciting one next week but until then this is david Cantu. this is jenna gazelle we'll see you all next week right here on coaster challenge <laughs>